I also noticed that you take listener suggestions. Absolutely. That's why you're going to be on, right? There we go. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say it. I got the cue. That's today's guest, educator and podcaster Kyle Smith, talking about how he selects guests for his program. Welcome to Music Ed Insights. I'm Alan Fire here with Steve Shanley. Each episode, Alan and I talk with national thought leaders in music education with practical insights for K-12 music educators. Steve, tell us about our guest. Kyle Smith has taught at Westbrook High School in Westbrook, Maine since 2006. He is the past vice president of the Maine Band Directors Association, as well as the instrumental chair for their Music Educators Association and manager of the Allstate Festival and Allstate Jazz Festival. He also hosts a weekly podcast called The Growing Band Director Podcast, which we are excited to help promote to our listeners. Find Kyle's full bio, show notes, and resources at www.musicedinsights.com. Alan, what was the takeaway you had from this episode? The emphasis on humility and relationships was music to my ears. What about you, Steve? You and I have enjoyed finding common themes or threads among our guests, even those who, at first, seem quite different from one another. It was cool to see that Kyle has made some similar discoveries on his podcasting journey. Agreed. Let's get to Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith, welcome to the program. Thanks, guys, for having me very much. Appreciate it. So what have been some common themes or trends that have emerged since uh, starting your podcast? Sure, that's a great question. When I started the podcast, we decided to call it The Growing Band Director. And that comes from the quote by the famous Ray Kroc. If people don't know Ray Kroc, he was the founder of McDonald's. And he had a famous quote that said, if you're green, you're growing. And if you're ripe, you're rot. And I was told that by a mentor early in my career, and I always felt that that stuck with me. So each year, each month, each day as a band director, and as my wife would say, unfortunately, during the summer too, I, I try to continue to improve as a band director all the time. So then about a year and a half ago or so, I was talking with a colleague of mine, Jeff, and we were just talking over, over Zoom about, I forgot something with our program. And then afterwards I said, you know what? That's a conversation a lot of people would like to hear. So we decided to start the podcast and the whole episode uh, theme is just around growing as a teacher. And I've noticed that all the guests I've had on, we've had about 80 guests or so at this point, they're all amazing, but they're all interested in growing. They're all interested in getting better every day through their programs. I really felt before we started that maybe some people were kind of set in their ways and I'm sure there are those people, but the amount of people who just want to improve and get better, that's been a really big common theme. Um, another thing that I found is a common theme through all the teachers that I've talked to and educators that I've talked to is that they really boil down their successful program into three key elements. And you guys on this podcast have talked about these a lot already. So I'm sure your listeners have heard these, but I wanted to reiterate them. Um, one is the programming of great music right? That's appropriate for the level of students. Uh, so many teachers talk about that being a huge key. Uh, and number two is something that is so key to all of us now is our relationship with the students. And we could go obviously super deep into that, but, you know, having great music and um, that's appropriate for them building great relationships. And the final one was teaching for excellence. You know, that having really high standards that if you have all three of those things with a great rapport with your kids, then odds are your program will be, you know, whatever you deem to be successful. And if you only have one of those things, chances are 
you're kind of spending some of your time wondering or pining for maybe a career or a program that looks a certain way and doesn't yet. And my guess is if it doesn't, it's because one of those elements is, is maybe not there quite to its fullest. It doesn't matter if we're talking about orchestra, band, general music, good, solid literature, great relationships, high standards, all hand in hand. And it, it's okay to to share stuff that, yeah, we've talked about it on the podcast before, because we, you know, we've got, had all these one-off episodes. You are the expert on seeing the trends because you've had 80 guests in the last year and a half. So that's one of the reasons we're excited to have you is to is to hear those trends that you're noticing. So yeah, it's it's been amazing. You you know, you look up to all these great teachers and educators, people who are founding fathers of things and people who are young great teachers or specialists on instruments, but like it's all the same. It's all just, I want to relate to people and I want to make great music with them. And it's just, it's funny how we all do things similarly. Is there a guest in particular that struck you that you thought, wow, you are like at the top of your game and yet you still are open for learning ideas from others? You know, somebody who jumps out at me is a mentor of mine named Tom Lazat. He is a great teacher and he is always learning. And in episode eight, it was called the, the Deadly Sins of Music Making. He talks about all these things that you should never do as a band director that really stunt your growth. And he's somebody who lit that fire in me as a young band director and always trying to improve and getting better. Well, so speaking of young band directors and improving, getting better, I'm curious if you have any particular episodes or an episode that featured a guest and you think this is must-listen material for all rookie teachers or student teachers, that it particularly works well for, for that crowd. There's one that we did recently with Dick Dunscombe. And if anybody knows doesn't know Dick, he is sort of the end-all and be-all in jazz education and has been for many years through Midwest and many other things. And, and I was introduced to him through Michelle Fernandez, who's a great jazz educator, uh, educator as well, um, who was on the podcast a couple months ago. And Dick did a, a, a podcast episode with us on rhythm section and jazz articulation. And it was amazing because I guess I would say for new teachers who are, who are teaching jazz, that's one of the ones that I think would be really big. It was episode number 76, and he, he put things in a very concise way, uh, but it's, it was really great for, for everybody. What about any guests not talking about music-specific things, but maybe could be anything, bigger picture, mental health organization, uh, relations with students, uh, with the community, administrators, any guests not really getting into the nuts and bolts under the hood of the car, so to speak, that come to mind? I just I mentioned Michelle Fernandez. She's become a friend of mine. And when we met, the episodes were called The Emotionally in Tune Band Director. And she told all these amazing stories about her time as a public school teacher. And she was in the classroom and then out of the classroom and then back in the classroom. And one thing she did really well, she was always talking about making the band room a, a great place for kids to be, you know, through movie nights and having a ping pong table during lunch and like all the things that some of us kind of might scoff at a little bit, but she got all this buy-in from the kids. And then, you know, th they couldn't touch her really. It's at the school to a, to a point that, like everybody wanted to be there. Everybody wanted to be in the band because of the culture she had set up. And what's one thing that she did musically, which I'm starting to do more after talking with her is the imagery piece of it. She talked a lot about take whatever piece of music you're working on in any style and, you know, create with the kids or on your own or have them create 
a storyline that would go along with that. And so what's happening here in the music and all this, and you just make up these stories and the kids, the musicianship comes to life um, just through that sort of non-musical thinking of imagery. So I'm curious because this has been the case for me. Uh, is there anything that you thought or believe for most of your career that has changed since you've started your podcast? I think I realized that people who want to be great teachers and have great programs are almost exclusively pretty humble people. They realize that it's about the kids. It's not about what trophies they can accumulate and things like that. I, I guess I had a, a picture that a lot of people were not that way. But even when I talked to people, like I talked with the director of the, or the former director of the William Mason group in Ohio, who's just was one of these world, you know, nation, national groups and, you know, and everybody is just so humble. They're all about just doing what's right by the kids and, and all that. That's been a huge trend that I've noticed. I've also noticed that they all realize they can get better as a teacher, that they're not fully cooked. So is there an episode that you would classify as a must listen for any music teacher, not just band directors, uh, but anyone who is a music teacher or even teacher? And what in particular did you learn from that guest? So one of our earlier episodes was, it was episode number eight. And it was with my friend, I mentioned him earlier, Tom Lazat. And it was called The 10 Deadly Sins of Band Directing. And I, he listed out 10 and we had a conversation that was an hour or so long. And some of the things he put are just really important. He had a, a stories and, and antidotes to go along with them. Um, think things that are really important for band directors to do. And some of them are musical, some of them are not. So there were things like thinking you're fully cooked. Like we mentioned that before. Programming by going over the filing cabinet and taking out whatever looks good rather than <laughs> programming well, right? Programming musical that's not suitable for your ensemble. Again, a deadly sin. Playing music just because the kids want to play it. Now, of course, there's, a, there's room for that, but that was one of the things he said. He said, making the concert, festival, or competition the end game is one of, the, one of the things we can get trapped into that it's, not, it's important we don't. Thinking that vertical alignment is everything. It's not about the emotion of the music, but it's all about being vertically aligned and clean. And he has more, but there's just um, amazing things in there for everybody. That, that vertical alignment, I, I wasn't sure what you meant by that until you defined that. And it reminds me of a trend that we have noticed, which is that perfectionism in music making and getting everything tweaked exactly tightly and precise is, is not a global universal expectation for music making. It is very last couple hundred years in Western mm -hmm. tradition. And like, that's it. I have a great story. If you don't mind sharing it, me sharing it with you, this is by the, the composer. I think a lot of people will know named Sam Hazo. And I worked with Sam Hazo a little over a decade ago. He came and worked with our school. And he said he went to this band in Florida and he heard them. They were like this 50-piece band, not a big school. And he heard them play the concert of some of his music. And he's like, this is the best band I've ever heard in my life as a high school. They were ridiculous. So then after the concert, um, all the kids were lined up to him to get him to sign his copy of whatever their part was. And he said he noticed there was handwriting over the entire page. It's like you could barely see the notes. There was so much writing. And he said, he started asking the kids about it and the, he asked the band director about it. 
And it turns out what that band director did is they would take every section of the music and play it and listen to it. And then they would think about a time in their life that that music made them think about or somebody in their life that makes them think about. And they would write that story down so that then when they play the music, they're not playing the music, they're playing their life's story. And who would, who would tell their life story poorly? That is totally not where I thought that was headed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's amazing. I was fully expecting, and he saw the music, and he saw this writing, and every fingering was written in, and every no. off on the and of four. And, and he had this epiphany that, like, oh, is that really what we want? And I am so delighted that the story turned out in a better way than I possibly could have imagined. I love that idea. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty great. So, so do you know who that band director is? And has that band director been a guest yet? So I don't, I don't, I don't know the name. Now there's a chance it was Michelle. I, I don't, it was in Florida and Michelle is very good about that stuff, but I, I don't know for sure. What are some other things you've learned about music education while interviewing the guests for your podcast? Well, I've learned so much. I mean, it's almost hard to describe, but there's one thing that really points out that I've taken to my program since October, and it has revolutionized my jazz ensemble. And I've used it only in jazz ensemble. I'm sure you could use it in any groups, but I was meeting with one of the premier, the directors of one of the premier ensembles, at least in the Eastern side of the country from Foxborough High School in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And they were just at the essential Ellington. And I mean, I heard this, their big band in October live at a conference and they sounded better than my bands ever sounded. And it's like the fifth week of school or something like this. They're just ridiculously good. And so the clinic was all about something called the rhythm train. Now this was created by Steve Massey, who's a retired educator to put in perspective how important Steve Massey is to education. On his retirement concert, Wynton Marsalis showed up and played for him as a surprise. So when Steve Massey, one of the things he started was called the rhythm train. So if people know the Ted Reed syncopation book, it's a, basically a book of rhythms, right? That's meant for the modern drummer. It's like basically left-hand swing patterns. But what the rhythm train method does is it has students, you put on a backing track or a piece of music or have a drummer play time and kids move to the beat, right together, left together, right together, left together. And they're moving to the music all the time. And they're singing these lines of rhythms over and over again. And they just sing them every day. Then they play them every day, but it's the movement piece of it that completely took the pocket of where my big band was at and made it 10 times deeper because the kids were experiencing music on a full body level. And I've done it every rehearsal since then, and I'm going to continue until the day I retire. Maybe I missed this. Is, is that while they're standing or sitting? Could... Yep. They're, they're, they're dancing. They're, okay. they're standing and the kids are asked to, to dance, sing and dance. And my first question was like, did the kids have a problem with this? He's That's like, what I was going to ask. How did that go yeah. over? Nope. They just do it. They just do it. And they love it. And my kids have loved it too. And there's a, a small tweak of that. I heard it Midwest. I forget the director's name, but it was a middle school director. And she said, before every rehearsal, we put on every day I have the blues. And my kids to the Count Basie Orchestra, my kids will dance around the room and sing it. They know all the parts and they just sing and dance before we start rehearsal. So then they're already one in their groove before we even start. How do you pick the guests? That's a great question. It's really just about the connections of the people who we meet and trying to keep it well-versed 
in styles, right? We're dealing with concert band, we're dealing with marching band, we're dealing with jazz ensemble, we're dealing with chamber music. We're dealing with trying to get people who are experts at all the different instruments. So there's instrument pedagogy, you know, a flute session, a clarinet session, a saxophone section session. And then trying to, you know, just last week we did a beginning band session. We do high school sessions, we do um, middle school sessions. You know, we do some collegiate stuff too, but it's really about just trying to spread things out so that, you know, you may see an episode of ours and, and think, okay, that's really not for me because I don't teach beginning band, but next week might be something for you. So that's, that's really how we do it, but there's no science. I, I also noticed that you take uh, listener suggestions. Absolutely. That's why you're going to be on, right? Th th there we go. Yeah. I was, I was waiting yeah. for you to say it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got the cue. Yeah. I can't wait for <laughs> there that. There we go. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Look forward to it. And, uh, Who's one that you uh, that you sent a request and you thought there's no way they're going to agree to this and they did and you were delighted? Probably Randall Standridge. That was back uh, about about a year ago. I think it was episode ten or so. And but and to be honest, I'm you know as a parent of two young kids and a band director, vacation would be a great time to do a podcast because I like have the whole week to do whatever. But he he was insistent. He's like, no, I'm not going to do your vacation. We'll find a time when you're supposed to be working. Any other guests that not super obvious applicable to music? We're not talking about theory or flute fingerings or anything like that. Kind of off the beaten path. So I have a really good friend named Doug Owens, who is a band director and uh, the chair of the instrumental music of the music education department at Old Dominion University. And he's an expert in the field of music induced hearing loss. And he, we did an episode about basically how to figure out how your room sounds when your kids play, what decibels are you hearing, what is dangerous for you, what's not. Here's a spoiler alert, it's more dangerous than you think. And it was all about basically ways to preserve your hearing as a longtime band director. That seems like a must listen for all music teachers right there. It was great. It was really great. Well, Kyle Smith, thank you for giving us the greatest hits from your podcast thus far certainly encourage our listeners to to check that out do you mind if we close down the interview with a lightning round on some lighter topics oh bring them on do you have a dining establishment recommendation for the next time we are taking a vacation in maine so i live in the portland area and there's a place called eventide which has the best lobster dishes it has oysters it's amazing uh, oh. Port, Port, Portland is the foodiest town in the in the country. The most per, per capita restaurants per people or something. So Eventide's the place to go. What's a musical artist or a piece of music you wish more people knew about? Uh, can I give two real quick? You may. One, a, a piece would be All the Pretty Little Horses, arranged by Andrew Boysen Jr., which is an amazing ballad with a great low flute part and a great horn part. And I know it's played, but I think more people should know about that. And then there's an artist named Peter Bentz, who's a piano player. He's got the Guinness Book of World Records of Fastest Fingers or something like that. But he plays these covers of all pop music and movie music, but it's amazing literature. And I find that students re relate to him really well. Do you have a book recommendation for our listeners? Yeah, you know, one of the books that I've given my drum majors for many years is by John Wooden, the famous coach, and it's simply called Wooden, his last name. And it's just amazing for leadership and development of all of all kinds how about a favorite film or a tv series oh boy you can't beat the office i mean the office to me has always been sort of my favorite so i'm gonna leave it with that and finally if you wouldn't have gone into education what career do you think you might have had well i would have been an athlete if i was better um 
But basically, I was always taught to do something that you love that can help people. So I'm not sure what that would have been. I might have been a gym teacher, but I know that's still education. So I don't have a great answer for you, but as long as I could help people. Well, Kyle Smith, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this has been really fun. Thanks. My pleasure. You've been listening to Music Ed Insights. Please support this podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing it. We want to make this as thoughtful and practical as possible. Please send us your ideas for guests and suggestions for improvement. You can do that through our website, www.musicedinsights.com. You can also reach us on our Facebook page, Music Ed Insights, or via Twitter, at Music Ed Insights. Our website is also the place to find program notes, links, and a one-page download of this episode's key takeaways. That's www. This podcast is sponsored and supported by Normal Design, Winterset Websites, Group Dynamic, and the Co-College Music Education Program. Learn more about them at our website. And let us know if your business or organization would like to join that list. New episodes drop every two weeks on Monday mornings. Get current. Stay relevant. Music Ed Insights.